Welcome to High China Conviction, a podcast to help you better understand Chinese financial markets. Host Ernie Diaz has been working and living in China for nearly 20 years, helping global investors explore the new frontiers of China investing. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial products. None of the information here should be considered investment, financial or tax advice. Now here is our host, Ernie Diaz. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of High China Conviction. Today we will be talking about active versus passive investing in China A shares. Joining me is Chi Wang from Megatrust Investments, a Chinese fund manager specializing in A shares. Chi is also the author of the financial newsletter, Daily Reflection on China. Chi, I want to let people know why you're our first choice for talking about the subject. Sure, go ahead. Your bio has a lot of big names in it. Goldman Sachs, UBS, you've worked in New York, Hong Kong, and Shanghai. But to me, it's your experience with the MSCI that makes you the perfect person to talk about this active-passive debate on China. Yeah, maybe not perfect, but uh, I do have some experience with a bit of everything. Uh, for the most part of my career, I have been doing active investments or stock picking, if you will. But uh, like you said, at MSCI, I was the head of China Index Research. Uh, that's pure passive. And over there, I was also in charge of the research for China A-share index inclusion. Right. You have a great deal of experience in both active and passive investing. So what do you think? Does passive actually and eventually beat active? Uh, well, this is a good question, but the answer isn't always straightforward. Uh, before we start, let me just get some terms correct. Um, your, your question is specifically on China A-shares. So for the listeners out there, uh, A-share refers to the domestic stock market in China traded on either the Shanghai or Shenzhen Stock Exchange, uh, priced in RMB. And this is now the second largest stock market in the world with a total market cap of around 14 trillion US dollars. Right. And let me note for listeners, Chi Wang, that 14 trillion is more than two times the Japanese stock market cap. Yeah. Yes. Japan ranks only the third now. Of course, the US stock market is still the number one in the world in terms of both the market cap and the trading volume. Very interesting. So by some measures, the Chinese economy is already bigger than the US's. Yet the Chinese stock market still needs to catch up. And the China A-share market is opening up to foreign investors as a result. Is MSCI inclusion of A-shares in their global indices a good indicator of progress? Certainly. Uh, not just MSCI, but also FTSE. And, and, you know, these two companies pretty much control the world of indices. Uh, the global index inclusion suggests the China A-share market is open for business. And I think institutional investors need to prepare for this change. And think about what it really means to their global asset allocation. Uh, this is also why I think uh, our discussion today on active versus passive for China A shares is relevant and timely. Mm. Are, are there any good reasons why active investing in China might be a more attractive proposition in Chinese markets than American? 
Uh, certainly, uh, but before we dive into that, you know, the word passive today also has taken on some new meanings. Traditionally, passive investing means replicating a market cap weighted index. Uh, all indices market are market cap weighted, right? Uh, no, uh, today they're also alternative weighting or smart beta indices based on different methodologies. And replicating these indices will be semi-passive, not exactly active or passive in my view. Okay, uh, let's just stick to the traditional definitions of passive versus active investing for our purposes today, shall we? Yeah, just to make things simple. And we can always get into the smart beta or factor investing side in a different uh, episode. Fine, let's table those for later. Uh, and back to our discussion, uh, this traditional passive investing certainly has its merits. Uh, it's not by accident that passive funds now account for over 40% of the U.S. market, up from 20% a decade ago. Right. Uh, index funds and ETFs, they've been very successful in the U.S. Yeah, but we can really easily extrapolate this phenomenon to China A-shares. Uh, people look at the rise of passives in the U.S. and think, oh, it must work well in China. I'll say, wait a minute, let's not rush into conclusions here. Uh, the U.S. stock market and the China Asia are very different markets. How so? Uh, for one thing, the China Asia market is multiple times more volatile than the U.S. Uh, so, for example, if you look at the last 10 years from 2011 to 2021, the CSI 300 index, that's the Asia index, had an annualized volatility of 23%. Uh, compared to S&P 500, which had only a volatility of 17%. And during the same period, the CSI 300 index had a maximum drawdown of 47%. That's nearly 50%. While S&P 500 had a drawdown of uh, just 34%. You know, the 23% is lower than I expected, but a 47% drawdown in the China A share index. That's just scary. A real roller coaster ride, huh? Eh? Yeah, roller coaster, right? And that doesn't even include the 2008 global financial crisis when the A share index had a drawdown of 72%. Uh, pretty scary. And it's not just the index drawdown that's a problem. The recovery of China A shares was also slowing history. So, again, using the same 10 year period I mentioned, it took the A share index five years to recover to the previous peak once it hit the bottom. And for S&P 500, the recovery was just five months, pretty fast. Uh, mm -hmm. I see your point now. So if you picked the wrong time and bought the A-share index at the peak, not only did you lose your shirt, you also stayed underwater for several years. So <laughs> yeah. that means significant timing risk. Significant timing risk. The, the high volatility means high timing risk. Uh, it's great if you can time the market, and it's terrible if you cannot. And to be honest with you, Ernie, I've been in a market for 25 years, and I still don't know how to time this China-Asia market. Uh, we are stock pickers. We're just not time uh, market timers. Okay. Well, Chi, you just showed us the risks of indexing or passive investing in China-Asia's. What about the returns? Do the historical returns justify the risks in passive investing? Uh, well, let me show you the numbers and you can decide whether it's worthwhile for the passive investing. 
So during the same 10 years, from 2011 to 2021, the CSI 300 index, again, offered an annualized return of just 7.7%, while S&P 500 gave us a return of uh, 14% annually. That's nearly double. And just to recap, the China Asia index is 35% more volatile than the US market, but the return is only half of that in the US over the last 10 years. So just for the record, so our listeners have it straight, you're sure about those numbers, right? It's not the other way around. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I thought China had the world's highest economic growth during that period you're talking about. Yeah, it's ironic, isn't it? The China had the world's highest GDP growth rate, but one of the worst stock market returns or indices. Very low equity beta, actually. Why is that, Chi? Um, good question. It's a Nobel Prize question. I think whoever get that right will probably deserve the Nobel Prize of economics. Uh, we have a few possible explanations here, and one of them involves the index construction in China issues. Oh, well, you led MSCI index research for China, Chi, so please explain. And then I'll submit your transcript for Nobel consideration right afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I will split the money with you if, uh, if I win a Nobel Prize. Nice. So for one thing, the, the China Asia index just had a ton of state-owned companies and cyclical stocks. And these stocks tend to go up and down with the economic cycle and don't really generate much return over time. And, and we can go on for an, another hour on the China index construction and its pros and cons, but let's just save the discussion for a different day. Mm. That's why the low beta, but I have to ask, are we cherry picking here, Chi? What, would what you just described lead to a different conclusion if we change the time frame? is what I mean? Um, not so much, no, nothing significantly different. Uh, if you pick any period for long-term investing, assume that your readers are long-term investors. So say anything seven years or longer, you will likely get the same conclusion. Uh, the issue is not the time frame, but like I said, the index construction itself. And uh, you can do the analysis yourself to pretty much reach at the same or similar conclusions. And that similar conclusion is, for the record? Um, historically, passive investing in China A shares means high volatility, extreme drawdowns, long time to recovery, and pretty low returns. High volatility. Seems like a great market for traders and market timers. Indexing, though, may not be so good for long-term investors who are seeking steady returns, right? Exactly. Okay. So let's cover some other China A-share market factors, please, that are relevant to the passive active debate. Yeah, one more thing I want to mention is, is the market efficiency. Uh, the U.S. market is more efficient, and the China A-share market is less so. Actually, not efficient at all. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, well, developed markets in general are more efficient than emerging ones. But in the case of China A-shares, the common wisdom holds that its inefficiency comes from the large number of retail investors, right? Absolutely. Um, there are actually an estimated uh, 200 million retail investors in China A-shares, and they control anywhere from 80 to 90% of the market trading. Now, remember I said the volatility was 23% uh, in the last 10 years. If you go back further, the A-share volatility is even higher something like 30 to 
and the retail investors really drive much of the volatility here. Okay, so what does that have to do with passive versus active investing, our topic today? Well, I think part of the reason that passive investing took off in the U.S. is because active managers failed to deliver their promises. Uh, the so-called alpha is just not there or not high enough to justify the cost. Remember the Warren Buffett bet with the hedge fund manager on beating the S&P 500 index? That's that uh, million dollar bet that Warren Buffett made with um, some back in 2008 on whether hedge fund uh, managers can beat the S&P 500? Yes, Warren Buffett eventually won that bet 10 years later. Well, being the world's richest man, you could you really use that $1 million. <laughs> but uh, beyond the point, it really shows you how difficult it is to beat the U.S. stock market index, given how efficient the market is. Well, I think you'd agree the China A share market is a bit of a different beast. Very different, uh, much less efficient. And there's more room for active managers to add value. Uh, let me guess then. In China A shares, one way to add value or generate alpha is by countering the 200 million retail investors going against the crowd, so to speak. Yeah, you can say that. The, the retail investors often buy high and sell low. Uh, the so-called neg negative gamma trading. Um, as uh, active managers, we like to do the opposite, actually. The opposite would be nice. Buying low, sell high. Isn't that what smart investors should do anyway? Sure. Uh, some people ask uh, what we think of the inefficiency, the inconvenience, the volatility, and the fiasco caused by the retail investors in China. Our answer is, is we love it. Mm -hmm. Even though the market is challenging, at least there's room for active managers like us to make a difference. Not all active managers, though. Not, not all managers. Uh, this is where uh, people also get confused. The market inefficiency just means there's fish in the water. The more inefficiency there is, the more fish there is to catch. But whether you can catch the fish really depends on your skill. Uh-huh. The fisherman's skill, or, or in this case, the active manager's skill, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I see your point, Chi. There's just not enough inefficiency in the U.S. market for active managers to exploit. So therefore, the average active manager's performance tends to be disappointing, right? And that's why passive investing has kind of taken over. However, in China A shares, it's the opposite. Yes, the empirical evidence shows that the room for alpha generation in China Asia is huge. So why choose passive investing if active investing can potentially give you better results? Agreed. But whether you can capture that alpha is also subject to the manager's skill. Yeah, of course. Um, and our research shows that the Chinese active managers in general can capture a lot of alpha in any given quarter or a given year. Uh, the key is whether they can do this year after year consistently over the long term. You're talking about long-term sustainable alpha generation. Yeah, that's a, that's a real skill to have and something you should pay for. Okay. So, so what do you think? How can one generate alpha consistently in China A shares? What's the secret? Uh, not one secret. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, sh I'm not sure how much time we got left, but let me just touch on a few points. A couple points. Uh, first, from a top-down angle, uh, it's important to understand a policy, right? So last year we had a series of these regulatory events regarding the internet sector, and it really caught the global investors by surprise. A, a good active manager in China should. 
be able to fully understand and manage this regulatory risk. Ideally, someone on the ground in China, uh, closer to the information uh, sources. And the second point is on the corporate governance. And this is the bottom-up angle. Uh, governance is the determining factor for our stock selection process, uh, more important than the so-called traditional fundamentals. Uh, this is because almost all China A-share companies have one controlling shareholder. So it's very important to understand and analyze the government governance aspect of that company and, and know what the controlling shareholder want out of the listed company. Uh, corporate governance is really a critical issue for long-term investors like us. Uh-huh. I see. So whether it's policy or governance, it involves, what would you call it, people risk. Uh, one is the government and the other is company management. Um, listen, we'll have to stop here, Chi, but thanks so much for your insight. And before we wrap up, I want to tell listeners about your China Financial Newsletter. It's called Daily Reflection on China at chinastocks.substack.com, the place to be. Uh, you can also Google it to find the website. The newsletter provides local news and insights on China markets and breaks the information barrier for global investors. So, Thanks, listeners, Ernie. thank you. Let's uh, quickly let me sure let me make sure we've got this, Chief. Uh, let's recap what we talked about today. Uh, we learned that yep. China A share market is already the world's second biggest market. It's increasingly open to foreign investors. Uh, the inclusion of A shares in MSCI and FTSE indices is a game changer. And that's why this passive versus active discussion is highly relevant to global investors today. So China A-shares, a unique market. Uh, we can't easily extrapolate the rise of passive investing here. Uh, as you said, historically, A-share market indices like the CSI 300 have had high volatility, large drawdowns, low returns. Uh, buying and holding the index tends to generate disappointing results based on the historical dates you gave. So passive investing is only good if you can time the market and maybe not suitable for long-term investing, as you mentioned. So the A-share market's also not efficient due to the dominance of retail investors. And this inefficiency means more room for active managers to add value, I guess you could say. And this is one reason why active investing may make sense. Uh, so I, I guess you'd agree the key is not just to generate alpha in one year, but to do so consistently year after year. Yeah, there's a lot of good key takeaways there. Um, and the key factors really to the long-term sustainable alpha generation, in our view, will be number one, understanding the top-down policy risk, and number two, to analyze the corporate governance in order to pick stocks. Chi, thanks again for the lowdown on active versus passive investing in China's A-shares. I'm really looking forward to our next conversation. Great. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on High China Conviction.